I just think right now, women, especially in business, this is the year of women. I just know that. Life begins at 150 grand a year. Life gets better at 250, and life gets real good at 500. Nobody can tell me differently on it. When you start teaching something, I feel like that's when you start to master the actual art of it. You and I, when we publish a book, we can go toe-to-toe with any of the New York trade publishers, any of the big-time authors. We get to compete in that marketplace and then let the market decide whether our stuff is good. People forget sometimes as an entrepreneur, the whole damn point of entrepreneurship is to make money. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss. Heather Havenwood. Are you a business owner that has a website but not tech savvy? Do you feel like a hostage to your web guy? The better question is, do you have a money funnel so people come to your page and give you money while you sleep? No? Then go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Imagine having a money site, not a website, for your self-published book, e-commerce products, local practitioners like chiropractors or lawyers. Get a money site, not a website. Go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Hey everyone, this is Heather Haven with The Win. And if you're a small business owner and you don't have a marketing funnel, make sure you go to heathermakesyoumoney.com. Then there you'll have a video. You can go check it out for different kind of funnels. Okay, everyone, this is Heather Havenwood. We have someone interesting today. His name is Jason. Is it Trudeau? Troy. Troy. Okay, that does not look that Close enough. Close enough, right? So okay. Troy, so spell it for everybody. Someone knows how to... It's T-R-E-U, but it's pronounced the other way, T-R-O-Y, because my parents or my great-grandparents decided to keep the pronunciation from mm-hmm. that was German and Austrian instead of changing either the spelling or the pronunciation. So Got it. So you're a mixed breed. You're a big old mix. Yes, exactly. Nice. And nice. no one gets my last name right. So, so okay, good. So I'm normal. Yay. You are normal. <laughs> okay. You fit within the boundaries. You'd be very abnormal you. if you got it right. So Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Well, let me tell you who Jason is. He's a top business and executive coach and sales leadership trainer. At the heart of his strategy is the understanding that people and your relationships are your true wealth. Everything we accomplish in life is with or through other people, which is super true. And I definitely want to talk about today about your life purpose. Believe it or not, I'm not going to hold it against him, but I'm not a big fan of lawyers. But he does have a law degree, but he doesn't. I don't think he practices anymore, right? No, is that right? I don't. So that's you're safe. I'm safe. Yeah, that's why you're allowed on the show. Sorry, lawyers. Love you and all, but you know. And you have a master's degree in, in communications from Syracuse University. And he's done all kinds of really cool stuff. You can go check him out at Jason. T-R-E-U.com. Okay, so let's like dive in. You said you've worked with well-known CEOs of Steve Jobs and Mark Hurd at HP and many others. How did you work with them and what level did you work with them? Well, there were different ones depending on things. So at Steve Jobs, it was when he came back to Apple to launch the iMac. So yeah. I was with an agency that won the business. Mark Hurd, it was working on some acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Uh that were was happening and it was a positioning on the marketing side of things. And so I got to have some great opportunities to work with some really high level people in Silicon Valley, you know, mm-hmm. back in the gold rush days, which was a fun time to be out there. And uh, I remember those gold days. I'm not I mean, I'm old like that. I remember those old days, 99, 2000, when they were like pets.com, it's worth 2 million or whatever. Yeah, you know? actually, my agency has had actually had them as a client. Oh, really? So, um, yeah, so I was very familiar with them. So 
and all of it. So it was quite was quite fun to see all these companies, and mm-hmm. then also not so fun to see the other side. Yeah, when everything it was, crashed. It was a huge crash. I mean, if y'all remember, millennials are like, "What's that?" The dot com and dot bust. It was like pets. dot com is not worth you know. It was some ungodly amount of number based on hits to the site, not based on sales at all. Or sometimes they'd even sell a product. It was just like. They're yeah. just worth this. And nowadays I, they have like numbers, you know, like how much do. advertising dollars do you make and stuff like that. Going through that, I had a client of mine, the valuation was a billion dollars mm-hmm. and the company had, I mean, I want to say $50 million in sales and someone <laughs> offered to buy the company and they would not sell it. And where are they today? There was a fire sale, like literally, I think it was two years after that point. Yeah. And it was like, how many country club memberships do you want? Right. Well, they ended up having to sell the company for like $10 million on the base liquidation sale. <laughs> you uh, know, I but- remember this is years ago. Before, I lived in Florida. I swear to God, this is a true story. I interviewed for a company. This is like 99, 2000-ish. We're still on that rush, right? I remember walking in. I remember interviewing for a sales job. And I remember asking them, okay, so what do y'all do? And they couldn't tell me. And there were all these young people there. And they were like, well, I'm really not making a lot of money, but I'm here for the stocks. And I'm like, okay, but what do you what do? You do. <laughs> no one can tell me what they did. And I remember calling my father and he's like, I wouldn't go there. I can't tell you the name of the company and they're no longer around. So yeah, there was a lot of that going on. I make yes. $30,000 a year, but I'm going to make $100 million in stocks or something like this, right? Well, Back well, in the day. Crazy time. Crazy will time. will never, never happen again. It will never happen again. That's great. Okay, let's talk about you right now. Okay, so we were talking in the green room earlier about purpose. And that's a great conversation. And you you said, hey, I can have this conversation about entrepreneurs and life purpose. I think that's something that I find that entrepreneurs don't have until they've been around for years. And they're like, why am I doing all this? You know, so can you talk us through that? What, What do you mean by that? What is that? And do you work with people on their life purpose? What does that mean? Well, for me, what I figured out was that the problem with a purpose is everyone that I ever learned from taught me that a purpose was really external to me till I found a coach who taught me that purpose was actually an internal thing. And it was more of an emotion that you can generate. And if you can do that, you can start to figure out the most powerful states you can be at on a permanent basis. Because what happens is if you're a if you serve other people or you're doing something outside of yourself, mm-hmm. everything will let you down, right? Every person in your life will eventually let you down. Everything that happens will go through some sort of cycle. So the problem with that is, is that you are a victim of circumstance because you cannot control everything else, but you can control your emotional yeah. states and how you feed yourself. And so if you can do that, you can really then also figure out, am I on the right track or not? Right? Can you can use it as a compass depending on what emotional states that you have mm-hmm. that are yours. And then it helps you figure out, am I doing the job that really I'm best suited for? Is this really the path I should be on? rather than trying to get validation from something that you're doing or getting it from other people. Okay, so there's a couple things here I have a question on. So we're going to kind of go this road. This is great because I had an interview uh, last week and it was a guy who's a millennial based on the fact that you noob.com. I'm assuming you're not a millennial, right, Jason? No. Okay, great. Now, what's the difference here? Because his his world was millennials are unique because they want to make a difference on the world. It's not about the money. They want to make a difference. Is that the same thing you're talking about or is that something different? Something different, okay. right? 
one of the things that I realized in my journey was like after I actually figured out this exercise and how to think about it differently, my emotions were connecting and belonging. So the reality was, is working in corporate America, doing high level marketing was exactly the job I shouldn't be doing. And I went through ups and downs because I wasn't in the mode of connecting and belonging all the time. Part of my job was to sit in a room and do PowerPoints or figure out strategy or plans or do things that really were not going to get me energized because I, was, I wasn't working with anyone external outside the company. So I was just working with my boss or a couple people or working on mm -hmm. this or that. But I wasn't out there talking to media analysts, other executives doing it on a regular basis because I just had no time because I had to do other corporate initiatives to get the job done. And so I constantly was feeling mm -hmm. great and then feeling bad. And I never really understood why that that was until I understood that I have to have every single day where I'm doing something where I'm touching people mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, working with them to drive their lives. And so for me, in a coaching aspect was really ideal of something I should be doing. Interesting. So take us down the journey of you found a coach to have this conversation with, but take us down your journey of figuring that out. Cause that's, that's a very unique side of it. I mean, there's a couple of things I hear. One, it's like understanding why you were upset. Like, where is that coming from? Or what is that? And then there's the level of an internal, what is it that I should be doing that's best suited for me? Can you take us through a little bit of the process? Well, the part of the process was mm -hmm. that I realized that emotionally, I wasn't really listening to myself, meaning that our emotions tell us really what's going on, but we just shut them down in traditional society today. So that's why you have all this turmoil. Like I had a client who parted ways with a company last week. And the reality is he was having some ups and downs and it wasn't the place for him to be in. And he came to that realization after we had a conversation on it. And, real, and the reality was that it, the situation forced itself so he could actually now get in the best situation and start doing some things he's actually always wanted to do and not go through the motions of a job that he didn't really even like anymore because he thought that was the only option to do it. So I think that's part of it was one, you have to listen to yourself, right? And, and if you feel like things are not great, then there's a problem going on and you have to start figuring out that it is. And then as I went through this process and I just did an easy exercise, which was I you know, went through and thought about the four happiest times in my life, right? I did it. It's a simplistic part of this exercise. Then I wrote down like what emotions was I going through in those four happiest times. And then from there, I said to myself, what emotion would I rather feel? And you can whittle it down to two. Well, at that point now, you're taking the best times in your life, right, whatever they were, and you're then amplifying those emotions every single day, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, it's just happenstance, right? So everyone has different emotions. Maybe someone's emotion is, you know, feeling adventure and excitement. Well, then being a travelpreneur is really what they should be doing and not be sitting in an office or maybe not even doing coaching or doing whatever they're doing currently right now. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Have you ever wanted to stop swapping your time for money? Ever wanted to leverage your expertise by selling your knowledge to hundreds of people? I call that smart. And now you can easily and effortlessly, without a web guy, create memberships, online courses, coaching programs. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. 
Start making money off what you know today. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. So until you can figure out what those things are, you can't really tap into them to the fullest extent in doing what you really should be doing and feeding into that. Okay, so there's a, there's a couple of things. I, mean, I completely agree with that. There's a little bit of pushback I have because one of the things you said, which I think is interesting, you said that in our society, we do push down our emotions. I think that has to do with our technology. But I think men do more than women. Women are very much, I find that people around me are very much in tune to my desires, what they want. I think men have it. I think it's something that I can't really understand is they have a pressure that they have to do what they don't want to do. Or they have to do business because they have to make the money or whatever that is, right? I think there's a pressure there from society or whomever. And yes. it is great to have that awoken up with men and women. But I think it happened with women first, I think a lot than men. That's just my feedback. I don't know. You know, I don't, that's just my view over here in my little world. Who knows if that's actually accurate on any level? Well, I think a lot of women, though, I would say mm -hmm. shame men because whenever they're weak, then they make comments about it, right? If you look at vulnerability studies, um, women, it's actual equal when you take a look at it, right? Women's number one thing is body image and, and men is weakness. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women tell men, don't share your emotions because I don't want to see your weakness. Hmm. So it's really interesting how these things plays out today, right? I mean, in today's world, I think they both goes back and forth. And mm -hmm. I think in yeah, for entrepreneurs, but if you work in corporate America, trust me, there's a lot of women I worked with that have like emotional bearing is not even close to being on. Interesting. Right? Yeah, definitely with corporate America. I can definitely see that. And I haven't been to corporate America for 15, 20 years. So that's probably yeah. why I'm not seeing it. So you're probably completely correct. So as far as your purpose, because there's books out there, your life purpose, and Tony Robbins talks a lot about your purpose, you know, higher self and and whatnot. Do you find this is a spiritual conversation with your clients? And then when they find that purpose, right? Because here's what I hear a lot with purpose. I hear your family, your kids, but you're saying it's not external. It's not at that. It's an emotion that you have. And, okay. and then you start to figure out the hierarchy in life where you start putting yourself first, you put other people last, you could get woo-woo or not, but feeling connected to the world around you. And you mm -hmm. have to have the right hierarchy as well in terms of who you're serving, because if you don't have enough for yourself. And that's what most people don't because they put other people first, especially most of my clients. And then what happens is they don't have anything for themselves. What's the that's hierarchy then that you're, you're suggesting? Then you put yourself first. Yourself first. You put some sort of divine or feeling connected to the world around you, however that feels right to you. Mm -hmm. And then you put other people third. And then what you find is you have a lot more to give other people because you're taking care of yourself. You're getting your own needs met. And that's a critical part of the process. I mean, I don't have, I mean, my clients aren't takers. And so they're givers for mm -hmm. the almost the entire part. So for them, they're used to doing the opposite because that's what they thought they had to do. And so then they're burning the candle at both ends. They're not taking care of themselves. And so when they start doing that, they have sort of a revelation on the quality of their life increases 
And then when they start to think about their jobs and the things that they're doing every day and thinking about the emotional states that actually are the best for them, mm-hmm. they actually can start to figure out pretty quickly on their own, am I on the right track or am I not? Or do I have to shift what I'm doing or change things around if I am in the same position? So I think when those starts happening, you can get pretty radical lift in your life, meaning it can get a lot better, a lot faster, whatever it might be. So, I mean, I grew up in a Southern Baptist, Texas. I'm born red Texas. I understand that you live in Texas, but you're not a born bred. So you're just a visitor to us, just so you know. <laughs> through. You're just passing through. There's a lot of you guys right now of passing through Texas. Just kidding. So, but I was taught, I mean, I remember it. God first, other second, I am third. I mean, I was taught that when I was like six. Yeah. God I first, other second, I am third. God first, other second, I am third. God first. I mean, I... Psh- That's grained. You know what I mean? Like deeply, deeply, darkly ingrained. There's two levels of that. One, it was deeply ingrained at a very young level. So it's a belief system that was created a very long time ago. And that's challenging to be aware of and override. And then there's the level from the female side, which is be nice, share your girl, be nice. Don't be mean. You know, don't be narcissistic or don't be selfish. I got that one a lot too, mainly because I'm a girl, you know? Then all of a sudden, entrepreneurship. And like you said, in real life, it's like you got to put yourself first, even if you have a family, because if you don't, if you don't put yourself first, how can you give to others? There's this other, a spiritual level of it, which is you got to feed yourself first. And then you can give to your family, to your coworkers, whatnot, to your business. You can't give what you don't have, you know? And that's something that I'm very aware of personally and something I'm constantly working on is I got to feed myself. I got to feed myself and take care of myself first before I just give all my energy away. That's very counterintuitive, mainly for me because of my belief system at such a young age was planted. So I don't think that particular, I don't even know if that is a, that's a verse or whatever it is. I can't remember. I just know it was ingrained in my head is that I don't think it's healthy long term when you're just constantly giving and not receiving yourself or filling up your own glass, as they call it, you know, do you coach people and helping them like flip that in their life? Well, yeah, because I think the part of it is, is that, you know, there are two different givers, one Mm -hmm. who give unconditionally, which is the problem, and people who give within boundaries. And I think you have to be able to do that. People who have no boundaries, just say yes. And you have to learn to say no and manage things a different way, especially the more successful you are, because people are always asking things of you. Otherwise, what happens is to your detriment, right? You're always running around helping everyone else, and you're not getting your own things done or taking care of your own needs. And then other people just know that they can use that, and you attract people who want to take from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know someone in our lives right now that They'll always be there, but to a detriment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know someone like that in my life. Some of the dear friends of mine that I've known since I was seven, he's no longer with us on the planet at a very young age of 42. And he was one of those people that everyone loved and adored. And if you called him at three in the morning and he was six hours away, he would jump in his car and come help you. But he did that so much for people that a lot of people treated him like dirt you know, and used him a lot. And he had this heart of gold. And I would say to him, take care of yourself. You would hear it. And he go, I know, I know. I should. I just love helping other people. He gave so much that this is just kind of crazy, but at 41, he had an aneurysm, you know? (laughs) And I think, I mean, 
God soul and BB, I love you. But it just, it really helped. It hurt my heart because I knew that in a weird way, it was because of that pattern that he gave and 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 just gave and just didn't get a lot back. And I'm yes. not saying you should do that. I'm not saying that's who you are. Everybody, please don't take that the wrong way. But I just want to give you an example of someone who just, I mean, the guy would open up his heart, just here's my car, whatever you need, turn on my back, that kind of guy, you know, he was like that. And I saw people just run over him lots of times. And I, you know, as a person, as a friend of his, I'm like, I would tell him, but there's nothing I could do. It's like, you got to create those boundaries. And then you have someone who's on the other, what I call other side of the fence, who's, let's just say he's an a-hole <laughs> a little bit, who's like, I'm not helping anyone. You know, they're very wealthy and very successful. I'm not saying again, that's the same, but there's a balance. And balance, I think is what you're talking about, the purpose. So if someone's listening right now, they're like, wow, that, that resonates with me. How do I start that process? Can you help someone just listening to the podcast? Like, start here. Yeah, what I would do is I would find a quiet place and I would think back to my earliest childhood memory and then work forward. And whatever images in your head. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Our whole world revolves around our smartphones now. You know they say we look at our phones on an average of 150 times a day or more. Look, if you're a small business and want to grow, you need to reach people where they're looking the most. There are smartphones. So text the word START to 72000 now to learn more from our friends at Mobit or go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash Mobit. Again, text the word START to 72000 now. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Start to take the first image and then write down what emotions that you see in that image, whatever it might be, right? If it's connecting, it's belonging, it's love, it's happiness, it's whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And if you need to just Google like a sheet of emotions, because sometimes people can't remember them or think of them or like, I, I don't know. What well, that's a good idea. Google right? sheet and of all emotions. All you have to do is just Google and find a, an emotion list, right? And then you can look through it and then take each memory and go do four memories forward because that's plenty. And then what you can do from there is just take each emotion and ask yourself, would I rather feel this emotion or that emotion, right? And if that doesn't help the person, then the other thing you can say is, do I need to feel connecting to feel belonging or belonging to feel connecting as an example? And you'll be able to whittle through the emotions and get down to two emotions. Mm -hmm. And what it can do then is then you can start asking yourself, am I feeding these emotions on a daily basis with the people in my life, with the actions I'm taking, with the job I have, with the activities I'm doing, or am I not? And then that will really help you understand, am I really going to generate those emotions internally for myself, right? Mm. And that's, that's like the quick version of doing this for people. Interesting. Okay, great. So yeah, you can definitely Google emotion list. I just did as we were talking and it's pretty cool. They have emotions list of all different kinds. So you're saying once you have the list of the top four of the happiest times, I'm going to think of the four happiest times in my life. I'm going to think of the different emotions I'm experiencing during that time. It could be when you're younger too, right? When you're a kid. Yeah. I mean, it could be emotions could mean some people have thoughts when they're, you know, five, six, seven, and eight, and some people have it at five, at 10 years old, at 15, at 20. I mean, it mm -hmm. really, 
it's just whatever pops into your head. There's no right moment because for whatever reason, whatever you're thinking and feeling is what it is. It doesn't really necessarily matter at what time in your life. It's just a starting place for people to go up. Okay, great. So it's the feeling to focus on, not my father gave me this, you know, baseball. I felt X. I'm focused on the baseball bat, not the feeling. You're saying focus on the feeling, not what was given. Yeah, you focus on the feeling, right? So you're with your parents or you're with someone else. So what is that? So you're feeling maybe connecting, belonging, happiness, Mm. whatever the emotions are. And you just write down the list that you're feeling next to each of the four thoughts that you have in your life, the four experiences. And then you go through each emotion um, and compare it to the other emotion. And then you basically just whittle it down till you have, you know, you go through it one time and then Mm -hmm. you get one emotion, you go through it, the whole list, um, which shouldn't take very long. And then you get the other emotion and there you have two, two emotions. And that's, I think that's plenty for most people to tap into. And I find it'd be pretty effective. And then you start taking a look at emotions saying, am I generating these every day? And what the things that I'm doing? And people will be really surprised that if you start to take those emotions, actually using them near as much as you think that you may be. And when you start doing it, you're going to see a pretty radical shift in like a week in your life and the quality of experiences that you have. And when you have downtimes, you're going to look back and say, I'm not feeling those emotions or I'm not doing things to generate those emotions. So I'll share from my view, right? So I'm listening to you and I'm kind of doing the work in the moment, which is kind of challenging because I'm on a podcast, right? But I'm a little bit doing it in the moment. And I think for myself, I know I've shared this with my coach, which my biggest purpose in life is freedom. Like, love that word. It just makes me all giddy. Okay. Is just freedom. Now, freedom from what? I don't know, really. There's all kinds of things. Freedom from government, you know, freedom from... I don't like rules, you know, I don't like, uh, don't like restraints. So I'm not corporate America anymore. So there's a lot of things in the world of freedom. I'm clear that's why I'm an entrepreneur. It's like, it's my number one value. I don't call it purpose. I call it value, like number one value. The moment my, my freedom is at risk, potentially, that is where I start to fight. You know, I, there's a fighting mechanism that yes. kicks in of like, uh, that I got to preserve that for me. Like, boom, do not cross my freedom line. You know, the relationships have been yes. broken up. Civic and others like, oh, you told me what to, and that's breaking my freedom value. Like you got to go, you know? So it's a big one for me. (laughs) Like, oh, that doesn't work. So what do you think of that? Is that kind of what, I mean, I'm just kind of playing with it. It can be, right? Freedom can be one, right? And Mm -hmm. I think what it is, is that then every day you need to be generating that feeling, right? And I think Mm -hmm. part of this is journey is understanding when you're conscious of that, then you'll start doing stuff in your day and you'll notice the feeling because it'll be top of mind and you'll see what to do, right? So some people feeling free might be doing yoga, right? Or yeah. might be doing something else. And when you start thinking about the things that you do on a day-to-day basis, the freedom is going to generate a feeling differently for different things that you do. And you can tap into that. In the days when you can't, you'll definitely notice it. And the times when you tap into it more, you will as you will as well. And then mm-hmm. that helps you figure out the things that you should be doing and, and other things that aren't working for you. Your dog agrees. He agrees with you. He does. <laughs> I heard he does. that. He's like, yes. He He's like, yes. <laughs> yes, that, that dad, that works. Yes, you know what you're saying. <laughs> no, it's, that's really true. 
especially for me, the freedom. And some people would say that's not a feeling. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I'm not, you know, for me, it is. I guess I'm just making it up. It is. For me, it is. Feeling free is an emotion. It is. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. See, he said it. It's true. Jason true. said it was true. Yeah. I think for me, freedom is a big one. I mean, I definitely know that's why I'm not corporate America for me. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, I did share the story. It's 2009. I come to Austin. I'm starting over. And so I go get a job in corporate America. I was there for 90 days. My friends were like, wow, you lasted 90 days. We're so proud of you. Because they were like, you need to be here at four o'clock on Fridays. And I'm like, but it makes no sense. Everyone, you know, once I was trying to give this kind of reason, like makes no sense to be there. And the guy looked at me that my boss and goes, you work for corporate America. And we tell you what to do with your time. And I just remember going, that's why I'm leaving. (laughs) That moment right there. Thank you. Thank you. I am. We'll be gone in the next two weeks. And I was so. Just well, you did it. I did said it. Bye. I said bye. Made it happened. Yeah. So yeah, is that, that kind of what you're referring to? Like when you feel yes. like that? Okay. Okay. Interesting. So what have you seen results with some of your clients? Can you give like an overall example of when they find this? They do like whatever. Well, I mean, I have a client of mine is chairman of a really large company, mm-hmm. and he instead of leaving the business, he decided to go to work even more. And basically what happened was the CEO of the company wasn't really the CEO of the company. He was still the CEO because he was going in there every single day, which is odd for a chairman in a company. So I got him to stop going, went to a TED conference, Hmm. he ended up meeting Bill Gates, Richard Branson, and a bunch of other people, got on the board of TED, ex-prize with Peter Diamantis, and now has gotten some massive investments that he has and gotten some great deals on. And it's all about really tapping into his purpose um, and the emotions and the things he's feeling just set him free. And it's a pretty fast process. So, I mean, that's one, but a lot of other people, CEOs are just dealing with people better. They're just having clear interactions. They're managing people better. I've had people leave jobs in corporate America and start to be an entrepreneur because of this, right? That's the easy one to do. But other people have, you know, helped started nonprofits doing other stuff. I mean, because they tapped in to things that really lit them up. Mm, yeah, I love that. Like, Tony Robbins talks about that, like what lights you up. And, you know, it's interesting when you're an entrepreneur. I, was, I remember in the past being at seminars and I remember being having somebody in the front of them going, what lights you up? And I'm thinking to myself, money. I don't know. <laughs> seriously what lights me up like I like food (laughs) I like chocolate they're like what lights you up and I think that's a wrong approach I like your approach is what I'm saying like I'm giving you a compliment because the approach is more like what are the feelings that are really the feelings of in your past that have been happy times what are those feelings and how do you basically use the word replicate that in your daily life you know, how do you make that or create that to happen every single day of your life? It's kind yeah, it's of just I mean, generation. It's just generation. generating the feelings that you want mm-hmm. versus just having them happen randomly, which is most people live their life like that, right? Because they're just waiting for something else to happen for them to occur. Because otherwise, there's randomness in it because you're not in control, because you're not taking conscious actions to actually create those emotions that you actually need to feel, to feel alive. So by doing it, it makes life so much better and easier because then you have a mental blueprint Mm -hmm. on the things to do. And when you're in crisis, you'll realize that you're not feeling those things. So if you generate actions to do that, you'll at least make the situation better. It's not like stress or problems are going to go away. 
but you can alleviate a lot of the symptoms and feel better. And it can help you get more clarity to take more action. Yeah, I know. I love that because look, everyone, we're going to, you're going to be going through stress in life still. It's not like once you have a purpose, it's not like life all of a sudden is like perfect. It's just that you start to create your purpose, like an intention every single day. You're like, intentively, this is what I'm going to create daily or in my business every single day versus just having it come at you. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. And then you can just take some level of action to get yourself in a better place than you currently are. Yeah. And even a little bit helps. And I think when people start doing it, you then have a lot more control on your every day and what happens. And that makes a huge difference on the mm-hmm. outcomes that you can create. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Are you over 45, 60? Are you relying on the traditional medical field to help you feel great and get you back to a balanced body? Good luck with that. At e2lab.com, Dr. Don Salyer got sick of people complaining about bloating, inflammation, and feeling sluggish. He has created unique, potent, and powerful non-pharmaceutical supplements to help the body rebalance, detox, and get back to being healthy. Go to e2lab.com, getting you back to healthy and balanced. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Now, I have a question for you. It's kind of changing the subject, okay? And this is about, uh, you have a master's degree in communications from Syracuse University. By the way, where'd you get your law degree? Same place? Same place. Same place, okay. Together. So was that, um, you just like, hey, I'm I'm not done. I'm just going to hang out more? What was that? No, I was just doing it to do crisis communication. So uh, I did it simultaneously. Oh, okay. You did it together. Okay. Yeah. I always laugh because my sister got a master's degree from Florida State. And she also got her undergrad from Florida State. And I always laugh at her and say it's because she just like didn't want to stop partying. So she just kept going. You know? Anyway, I'm not saying that's, that's you at all. Well, that, you know, I it happens. That's the case. And that's, uh, yeah, that's it happens. I'm just, I'm giving her a hard time. She's probably spitting at me right now. The masters in communication. So crisis management, the stuff that we're talking about today, would you say you learned any of that in the university setting? No. Yeah. That's, I was I mean, expecting to know. That's, that's not what school. Why not, though? Like, why not? You know, Jason, like, seriously, why? Why are we not learning that kind of communication or speaking or I failed speaking class? No kidding. In university, I speak for a living. Hello, because they wanted a very rigid kind of presentation. And that's not what people buy from. I do a sales presentation. So why is that? Why do you think you didn't learn that in a university setting? Well, because I think it's easy to teach things that have to deal with external things in your life because you don't have to do any work to have hard conversations. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I mean, if I'm a professor and you want me to be vulnerable, I actually have to do the work in order to do that in front of you. Well, that requires another discipline and people don't want to do that. Hmm. And they don't want to do other things like teaching people. I mean, I was just, I met with someone who's running a part of the business school mm-hmm. at MIT. And I was like, why are you not teaching people here how to network with other people and build relationships yeah. and understand how to do that? Huge. And like, it's not part of the program. Really? So all them, no, not part of Harvard. You, you go to Stanford, none of the schools sit down and break down. If you want to go network, this is exactly what you do because most of the people have no idea what to do. So how are they going to teach you something that they don't even know how to do? That's so weird. Does that that sound weird to you? That just sounds weird to me. Yeah, because I think what happens is that Mm -hmm. 
again, it's easy to teach you academic things because they control everything when it's academics because mm -hmm. then they're the expert in it and they're not stepping outside their boundaries. They're mm -hmm. not having to be vulnerable or authentic. They're not having to put themselves out there. They're just having to go through the mill. They're just going to go through what they teach every single semester or maybe bring in some cases or do some different things mm -hmm. depending on the program you're in. Don't but, you think that hurts overall? I mean, kids coming oh, yeah. out of school today and going, go network, go find yourself a job. And they're like, why do you, How? I mean, I think people are more isolated than ever before mm. because of exactly that, right? It's yeah. because, you know, one of the things that you think schools would teach people is that social communication and emotional skill sets are all learned behaviors. So you can teach anyone to be significantly better mm -hmm. in all those areas. But there's no university that does that. But all those skills are requirements to be successful in business. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, that, that's that's how mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the how you rate leaders, the top skill sets are all soft skills, tech, you know, quote unquote, soft skills. They're not hard skills. Mm -hmm. So that's makes no sense when you think about that. But it's much harder for professors and teachers to teach students that because they actually have to do it themselves. Oh, right. They have to actually be they have to actually yeah, learn the soft skill the themselves. It's a great conversation. Um, I uh, I have a funny slash, I think it's a funny story. Years and years ago, I was on this date and I don't know how I got on this date. It was a blind date. I'm sitting here. We just started having this conversation, found out he was um professor at like Oxford or something like that, university in um, entrepreneurship. And like, I come from a lineage of entrepreneurs, right? In my world. And I was just starting my business at the time. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. And so we're having this conversation. So I asked him, like, what kind of businesses have you owned? You know? He's like, oh, I don't own businesses. And I'm like, so well, you're teaching kids how to be an entrepreneur, but you've never started a business. You know what I mean? And he's yes. like, had this kind of like, of course not. Like, I'm above that or something like kind of snarky like that. I'm paraphrasing. I got up and left. <laughs> I was like, I can't even finish this dinner. I, I just can't. I can't imagine you're teaching entrepreneurship and you haven't even tried to start something. Like, I don't understand that. I do get it now that they're they're doing the curriculum of it. But for me, I think that's just, I don't know. It's out of integrity. It's like me staying in front of you, saying I'm a salesperson. I've never sold anything. You know yeah, what I mean? It's exact, well, it's exactly what school is. It's, I mean, it's basically a high-priced country club, right? Yeah. You're basically, I mean, if you think about it, the only reason to go to school now is to go to a top 10 school for the networking and the people. And right. if you're not, it's many ways a waste of time and money because you're going in massive level of debt and really you're not learning anything as an undergrad. I mean, for the most part, you're not yeah. applying anything that you're learning in the real world. So you're paying a lot of money for something that you, you then don't even use. And then you have to do the opposite of it, frankly, in the real world. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you use your uh, probably law? I mean, law is, I think, one of those ones you could use in the real world and business. But, it's, but, it's, but all law degree. I mean, uh, and here's the secret to law school. Yeah. I'll give someone a hundred and fifty thousand dollar education. OK, ready? The, Here it is. Go ahead. The power is in the question. Mm. The person who asks the question holds all the power. Right. And that's it. Right. And the other and part two of that is you need to know the answer or be prepared for the answer that the other person is going to give you if you ask the question. And if you can do both of those things, you've just spent, graduated from law school because that's <laughs> all you learn. I mean, nothing else. Wow. Because I learned how to, I mean, great thing in law school, I write a brief and then I was doing an internship and the people told me, oh, you have to do it completely differently. Uh, what they teach you in law school is not the way how you write in the real world. And I was like, what? <laughs> 
like, well, then why did I go? That happens today. It's the same way they teach. It's completely different in the real world. So it's amazing to me that the lack of skill sets that you learn that you actually need in the real world. I mean, let's throw an undergrad. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're paying for grad school and they don't teach you any of this stuff either. So you could say maybe, well, it's 18 to 22-year-old kids. Like, what do they know? They can't deal with this stuff and which is not true, but that could be a good story. But it doesn't make any sense when you're dealing with people that are older that you're not teaching the skill sets that you know that they need to have to be successful. And all the research says that you're doing says these are the skill sets that these people need, yet you can't even teach them it and you don't. Right. Right. I completely <laughs> concur with you. Whatever. You know, just follow what he just said, just like revert that back. And if you had kids that are about to go to college, I would say reconsider. <laughs> That's- all I have to say, mainly because I mean, there's more, there's seminars, there's education out there with coaches there's and so much you can do. Oh my gosh, that will teach them how to actually make and create a business, which is a skill set that they do not teach you in college or masters or a lot. I mean, they don't just, they don't teach you that how to run a business, Answering how to be fulfilled in your own life. Right. Oh, right. I mean, like, let's even forget the fact of a business. Let's act the fact that people actually then don't have to crater their own life and hit rock bottom and sit on it forever and never recover. Right. I mean, that's the problem too. I mean, I just, I got, I got lucky and I didn't get lucky. I mean, I think one of the worst questions you can ask a 17 year old kid is what degree do you want? And what are you going to do the rest of your life? I mean, come on, that's crazy. Um, back then, believe it or not, I think it's, it's funny now to even say this because people are like, Heather, really? But when I, back then I declared my first major as accounting, (laughs) I'm so far like from that, but I didn't know what to pick. And someone you know, some like counselors, they say counselor, some woman there goes, well, counting, you make money. And I go, okay, <laughs> that was it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. No clue what that meant, you know, at all, or CPA, what's that? No clue. And then that didn't go very well the first semester. So then someone goes, well, your grandfather's a doctor. Why don't you be a doctor? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went down that road that for great? a while. What, what, what did you learn? You know what great about that exercise is that people told you what yeah, you should want. Exactly. And that's the problem. Most people are living their lives because other people have been telling you what yes. you want and you've been doing it, whether it's your relationships you're in, whether it's the business that you're doing, whether it's the activities that you're involved in. Most people are not even really making their own choices and they don't even really realize it, that other people have been telling you for so long, you forgot what you really wanted or you never even really knew. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly the lesson is that I didn't know. And it wasn't until I finally said to myself, I just want the hell out of college. And so it took me seven years. I got the fastest degree out at that point because I knew I was clueless. I know what I wanted. So I was like, just forget college. Just get out. Get this stupid whatever degree, blah, blah, blah. And I did. Then I started creating businesses. Well, that worked. Yeah, I completely concur. <laughs> Let's do that. Jason do said. That. Do, do more that. Do more of that. Do more of do more of that thing. Yeah, it's good. So Jason, thank you so much. Where can they find you? Again, I want to make sure that I do not say your name incorrectly and give you your website. You can find it at jasontroy.com and it's Jason. It's T-R-E-U.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. You can also find him at Twitter and LinkedIn, Instagram with jasontroy.com. That's T-R-E-U, right? T-R-E-U. Great. I love that. Thank Got you it. so much for being on The Win. This is Heather Havenwood with The Win. Check us out at heatherhavenwood.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation.
Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook, when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200 and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.